like in terms of self prediction, I predict uh, that I will be on the court in 2023. Yeah, I might just pop up on y'all one night, like uh, DJ Clue on the song. I might just pop up out of nowhere. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life, and that means something, something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. Out of the game. What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Point Four Podcast. It's the final one for 2022. In this episode, we are going to discuss some of the most anticipated new stories of the upcoming year. If last week's episode was a look at, consider this our point forward to 2023. It's a great job of wordplay there, Evan. Thank you. Point forward. As much as I enjoyed the past trip around the sun, even more excited about some of the predictions, especially the predictions of the great mind of Evan Turner. That way, at the end of the year, we can all say, damn, one of us caught it. So that's what I'm most looking forward to. Bad. And before we jump into our Miss Cleo bad, we also want to let you know that we now have a newsletter. That's right. You can now get the best of Point Forward in your email inbox. You can find a newsletter at pointforward.substack.com. For those keeping the score... We're taking over audio, video, and now we're in your email too. I do subscribe to like three different Substack newsletters. So excited to be a part of that family. Uh, we need to play the Dynasty intro over this whole part or something. Um, but now let's take a look ahead to 2023 from business to culture to ball. The Dynasty intro is actually, you know, you got theme music after you do something well on a court now where you can tell the DJ, like, play this song or whatever. Uh, who had a show? Mine used to be Phone Home by Lil Wayne. Oh. No, I'm lying. Mine didn't used to be Phone Home by Lil Wayne. I thought about it too late. But it would have been lit. <laughs> that would have been Phone Home by Lil Wayne. Like, Phone Home, he take, like... That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. Mine was actually the Dynasty intro. Was it? In, in Denver. In Denver. That okay. was the year I actually did it on time. This year, I had a song, but I forgot it already. What about what about the the Celtics used to come out to it? Um, what's it? The sign don't shine forever. It's like Buster Rhymes, Biggie oh, yeah, Smalls. Yeah, yeah. It's like, the Diddy song. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yo, one. One. One, two. One to like that gets you. That gets yeah. you going. Right you wanna know what would be an underrated dynasty song? Here comes the boom. Or not a dynasty song, intro song. Here comes the boom by uh, DMX? DMX. Yeah. Uh. Low key, Pat Bev and the Marshall Commandos back when Pat Bev was averaging 38 a game yeah. in 2006. It was an off night for me, so I went to go see them perform in the city, city league. And they were playing like Bolingbrook. Whole city cracking, CPL, everything. And like, there's already like tension in there. Pat Bev, like he does, literally, they come out and here comes the boom. Gee, man, if I had a gun, I would have reached for it. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Cause that's how like wild and intense it was. You feel me? What was, how was he scoring 38 a game? Man, Not to say he don't have a game, but like, how was he getting to it? Was it all threes, middies? Was it, it pole? Everywhere, everywhere. I'm talking about real, like, and, like, people don't want to say what you want, bro. Pat Bev was shooting like there was three seconds on the clock. So, like, say by the first time out, it was like a minute and a half. Pat Bev already had 12 points. Yeah. Two threes, a layup, he clamping you up. Yep. Chicago Public lead, they, they pressing. Man, Pat Bev, when I tell you he averaged 40, he averaged 40. Yeah, no, I, I seen it. I saw him in high school. Yeah, he was cold. Point forward. There's a lot going on in the tech space that I've been watching recently. Um, this, this newest one is uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and this movement called ChatGPT. Uh, it's a new buzzing concept in tech. Uh, there's there's some bad to it as well, uh, but there is some good. So essentially, um, it's the new. It's going to be the new. What they call them? The millenni millennials now. 
Them about Generation Z or something, right? Yeah, gener- I don't know. One of the, the the new crew It's essentially the new Google. So you can type in anything to uh, Chat GPT and it'll spit out the answer for you. So I can say, uh, you know, kids can do like a super difficult calculus two problem and it spit the answer back to them. Or you can ET. You can say, yo, uh, make me a script on a dope podcast concept that's surrounded around basketball uh you know sports uh oh this is gonna do all that it's gonna do everything for you dog like it's it it, it spits out like it spits out like actual scripts like you can make a movie just type in like the subject or a small summary of what you want a movie to be about it'll spit it back out to you like it's it's like that crazy that's Um, right that's harder than that's harder than chinese arithmetic that's (laughs) That's crazy. Damn, I didn't know. Yeah. So when they dropping? It's already dropped. I mean, oh, it did? It's, been one of the, it's been one of the most downloaded um, and used, um, what do you call it? Uh, I wouldn't call it, you call it an app. It's an app or something else, uh, but it's out there. Um, and actually, Google is seeing the buzz that's coming behind this. And so they have their own version of it that they're building too. But Google can't quite release it because of the prestige that comes with being Google, you can't have any uh, mishaps in terms yeah. of how something yeah. works. So yeah. chat GPT isn't all the way perfect because I think they found a few things where it spit certain things back at you that wasn't um, 100% accurate or true. And so they're working out the kinks, but uh, chat GPT, which is run by, now I got the name, uh, OpenAI, that's O-P-E-N-A-I as an open artificial intelligence, um, they're a startup. So, you know, as a startup, you can work out your kinks. You can be wrong. Yeah, exactly. Along yeah. The way. But as a, you know, as an aggregator, one of the, uh, you know, foundational tech startups out there, or tech companies out there, such as Google or Alphabet, however you want to speak on it, um, they got to be perfect with whatever they bring out. So they not quite behind the eight ball, but they are because they can't have the same issues that uh, uh, open AI has. So, it's a pretty dope concept, though, but I'm interested to see how uh, how we keep implementing better yeah. technology, how we get smarter. That's crazy. How we spit out information. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, but are we getting smarter or are we getting handicapped in a sense? Like, like for instance, like you, can, you know what I mean? If you could type in anything like calculus to the history of, I don't know, Byzantine Empire, some random shit, like, why would you have to really read it up if it's at your head, you know? I don't know, I'm just saying, is that something we worry about in year 2030? Like eventually, if a little kid was like, "Why would I? Why would I go to school? I have Chat GPT. I can I'm literally glad, find out anything at all." I'm glad you said that too, because um, I've been watching uh, The Crown, and so you know, been trying to get into. I haven't been able to watch as much TV, but mm-hmm. if I do watch something, I make sure like it's uh something I can learn from or whatever. So The Crown yeah. is a historical piece, and uh, Queen Elizabeth has been meeting with children after the first female prime minister. Uh, this was like in the early 80s. Uh, her son got lost in a safari race, but they ended up finding him. But uh, throughout all that, Queen Elizabeth realized that, you know, it's precious to have a certain type or a deeper relationship with your kids. And so she brings each of her four kids in and just talking to them. And her husband cracks a joke on her, like, you know, which one's your favorite? And it caught her off guard because she said, there's no such thing. And so as she's going through this process, she's learning that her kids have been, you know, handicapped in life and, yeah. and, and they getting, they're getting bullied because they were handicapped. You know, it's like, can you live on your own? Everything's being done for you. And one of her kids was basically like, yeah, I'm in the Navy, but you know, they're going to rank, they're going to put me in a certain rank. Like they all know that I'm with the Royal family. Like it's obviously they're going to pass me through. Cause like one kid was struggling with school when she was like, I'm gonna get your tutor, make sure you're good. And he was like, I don't need that. Like, they're not going to fail me. They want to be associated with our family. And so they're going to pass me and I'm going to be set. I'm good. He was saying this at like 16. <laughs> right. I was like, damn, like he had the wherewithal to understand like, yo, this is where I come from, fam. I really ain't got to do all that work. Like I'm just yeah. straight. And that's one of them things where it's like being humble doesn't work as well as being aware. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, damn, that's actually, fun. yeah, that's crazy. I did read an article a long time ago about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It was super dope. And he spoke on always keep up with the times, even in like our, in our social world in terms of influencers and celebrities, even though you don't agree with them. Like there's a lot of folks that I don't agree with. Like, you know, why are you famous or, or why have you attained this amount of wealth? And, you know, there's no, 
there's no knowledge or skill set applied to anything that made you rich as other than just standing in front of a camera. And, yeah. But he said, like, you know, make sure you tap into those things because, you know, when you get older or you pass, you know, you have a grip on, you know, society and how people yeah. think and how people are moving. So I thought that was super dope. So I got to tap. White Lotus is next. I'm on the crown. White Lotus. But but Bask- uh, Last Chance You is really good this season. Yeah, bro. I like it a lot as well. My only thing that throws me off, I see why they lose it. <laughs> I, only, I only saw episode one. I, only saw episode I don't one. know. When you, start, yeah, when you start adding up more and more, it's like, bro, y'all gonna be, y'all might be on two seasons at least. You know what I mean? The last chance. Because, like, you know, on Juco, you're supposed to grind and get out. Like, you're supposed to get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I don't know nothing. But I just know, like, you have to win. Like, these like, these dudes lose all the time. Like, yeah. and they got it. It's a great, it's a great TV show. I think it's legit thorough. I love it. But the more and more you dive into it, you're like, all right, all right, I understand why they're struggling just a bit. So one of my coaches, uh, shout out to DeMarco, Chris DeMarco was like, you got to watch this show. He was like, listen, man, that show was the NBA. He was like, all this talent and not the whole NBA, but you know, you got teams that struggle or you got a lot of talent that just can't get right. That's, that's like, that's the real NBA or sports in in general. Yeah. And I, I think it's in a lot of our African-American sports because we're pimped out and used to, to you know, for financial gains. And you just lose your weight on your route. And he was like, it's a lot of dysfunction. And that's all a coach or a manager is, is just managing dysfunction. And, you yeah. know, he, he's, he's speaking on certain players in the league, like that guy on the show was, the center is this guy, the guard is this guy. He was like, man, this stuff is everywhere in the NBA, man. It's crazy how it works. And as I've been watching, I'm like, wow. This is crazy. Like Shamar, the, the the guard got all the game in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the, coach is, the coach is just like, listen, man, I got rules and principles, but it's exception to every rule. And this kid ain't got to do all the stuff that I that I'm hammering home. Like he's just yeah. too good. Yeah, but you'll be surprised. You're in for a rude awakening. Gotcha. All right. All right. So it'll be it'll be dope. It'll, it'll be but it's a good legit. Show. I've been watching it, but but you'll you'll learn a lot about it. But it's. I guess in regards to like children and like kids and like not being around it a bunch of times, it does give you like an outside point of view to really mold you well. Right. It's like it's like what Chris DeMarco said, going into the NBA and comparing it to the NBA and the personalities of it and having to what Steve does a lot, or even Phil Jackson was great at it, controlling personalities or, you know, managing personalities. I know like Kareem Abdul Jabbar always said he hated when they say like managing players because you work with players, you know what I'm saying? So working with the players, you manage farm animals. You don't manage people, you work with people. And uh, I like that. I read that out of uh, what John Wooden's book. And mm-hmm. I, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, um, I think when you look at Steve Kerr, Bill Jackson, I think those two just really grasp the concept of it. And you kind of learn that from like the wildest of environments, which is that Chuko environment. True. Point forward so i got a i got a question for you so i want to know because uh recently some of our stuff on tiktok has been blowing up and you know a lot of clips that you have on tiktok has been blowing up but right now it seems as of recent do you think america is going to ban tiktok um no i mean right now senate just passed uh legislations on wednesday evening to ban tiktok from my u.s government devices right so, I mean, yeah, TikTok is kind of like, it's kind of like the phase in a certain sense, you know what I mean? Yes. And so we're all trying to figure out how do we protect our data and yeah. how do we protect what's being fed to, you know, uh, the minds of the nation or whatever. Like every country has this and, you know, the EU has some issues with Apple's uh, 30% take in the App Store. Uh, Android uh, has, has been having conversations with a lot of different companies in terms yeah. of, you know, what information has been stolen there. And then the, the Cambridge Analytica situation was from Facebook, I believe, now Meta, in terms of, you know, where the data was going. And, you know, when there are uh, geographical tensions, you know, I tell everybody to go read the book, Prisoners of Geography. It's an amazing book, kind of breaks down everything uh, in terms of like geopolitical wars. And, Data is a big thing right now. So you have like cyber wars, cybersecurity wars. You know, can you shut down a country's whole system, you know, keep them from 
uh, operating how they normally would, or you get inside information and can trade against it and can use it as a, um, you know, as, as a political war. You know, it's kind of maybe the issue with Ukraine and uh, Russia, where, you know, who your uh, allies are. And, you know, you saw what was going on in Russia. They shut down McDonald's in Russia. They rebranded that. They shut down Starbucks in Russia. They rebranded that. And so, uh, you know, the two biggest uh, economies in the world, America and China, from time to time, they may not uh, agree on certain things. You know, we saw the situation with Daryl Morey where it came out of all our pockets. Yeah, and, that's crazy. Um, right. And so I, I still don't understand how that happened. So we lost like 500 million, 600 million over that. They were estimating. Yeah, that, was, that was that was right before the uh, the pandemic hit us. It was the year before that. Right, it's like so, two sponsors over there that, that were just guaranteed. They usually guarantee like two or three billion per year for the league. So it's like legit. We were losing billions of dollars. I think that the tweet was fight for freedom. Stand with Hall on call. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. And then that's like us having an issue. Uh, we got something going on in America and other countries try to chime in. And you know how we say, mind your business, but we stay yeah, in somebody else's business. business. Yeah, for sure. So it's, it's similar with the TikTok thing. Um, and they've been saying that the algorithms in on TikTok, which is owned by ByteDance in China, is a lot different than the algorithm that's in America. So in America, we get fed like, you know, maybe it's violence or yeah. things that keep our attention that isn't useful to our brains. But in, you know, you go over to China or uh, maybe other countries and it's more um, calculus or uh, engineering yeah. or uh, how to videos of like how to cook correct. this, how to do that. Like right, correct. cheat code videos, like because when you go on TikTok, it is very helpful, especially right. like it's either YouTube or go on TikTok, but like how to hook up some eggs, how to make an omelet. You know what I mean? So the only way basically to protect yourself is basically not have any social media, have an untethered computer, and like pay your bills through the mail. That's the only way you can like really protect yourself because there's people online trying to steal data. And so I just heard, I haven't read this, which is, I'm, I'm, I'm don't know why I haven't heard this, but now you can go in Whole Foods and pay for something with your fingerprint. That's aggressive. I don't, I don't know, know how accurate. I don't know how accurate that was, but I was told this like 24 hours ago. But I know about the Amazon Go store where you have a. There's no workers in the store. You walk into a store, you got your basket or whatever, and you can just take something off the shelf, put it in your basket, and it's already paid for. Now, see, and that's what I'm saying. I don't try, and I don't believe that. Like, like that's wild to me. Almost like Centurion. They do. I showed you the product bracelet they do. Where yes. apparently, when you put the bracelet up to the screen, it's supposed to Apple Pay. Right. I never got that done once when I, when I use it. But I'm also not going to wait there and be like, like, you know what I'm saying? True story. We're going to try it twice and then we're going to... we gonna go like, all right, I'm going to Yeah, I'm going to use the Apple Pay. So it's kind of, I mean, that's kind of crazy to really, uh, if it works, it works. Cool. I just don't, I just don't see how those stores are really, you know what I mean? But that freaks, it freaks me out. Like, for instance, like say I lost my debit card. You understand what I'm saying? Right. And like, say I take it off my Apple Pay. Say I know I have a new one coming in the mail. No joke, my iPhone will know my new Amex and my new debit card. Yes, before you know already, yeah. And you understand what I'm saying? I'm looking around like, what in the heck? Like that, that freaks me out. But I guess like that's the new level to where we're at. You got to really get more comfortable with it. You know what I'm saying? But the part that freaks me out most is the data behind it. So they know on your every move. Yeah. So they know exactly who you are on all these social media yeah. uh, spaces, platforms. Yeah in terms of they know exactly how to target you and advertise specifically to you. I think I had a family member that was telling me um, their Instagram feed, it kept coming up with like uh, frozen egg um, clinics and like skincare products. Like, oh, this is an older female, like family member. And it blew my mind because I'm, I would never, I've never seen that. And now that I think about it, I would never see that, but I always get, it's something crazy. Like holderness and boringness is golf brand I've been wearing uh lately. And I went into my golf into the cart and put three things in the cart. Then I was on Instagram and those same three things were an advertisement saying holderness and born. And I'm like, how the hell y'all know I had these three things in the cart? Like it was just it was mind boggling, but that's where we at. And I guess that's what maybe the government's trying to fix, or maybe the government just don't want nobody else to have it but themselves. Mm -hmm. 
it's your guard it's it's your guardian angel basically you know what i mean and like with those cookies and everything like when they ask you to accept cookies or even do like the location like they're tracking right. you no matter what like you know what i'm saying and you basically just man you know that stuff is crazy i mean no, the, the fans is catching you regardless. Yeah, I'm trying to go even back. Even if you turn locations off, they still tracking you because if yeah. you do something stupid, they gonna find you yeah. through your phone. I I need to hit Zach Randolph get that get that flip phone back, get the trap phone. You know what I mean? Find a phone with Snake on it, and take it from there. Get a little Nokia joint, Snake, a Motorola Razor, <laughs> with and then add that with a GD pool table. Yo, Zach Randolph. That MTV Cribs of Zach Randolph is the craziest thing ever, bro. You talk about real. You talk about real. Buddy had picture of Larry Hoover at his crib and then a beautiful pool table with the star of David in the middle. Oh, I got a question. So is this snitch if it is this snitching that you explaining to people uh what his uh MTV crib setup was like? Because we knew, but we also know like I think it was snitching back in the day, like literally, bro, gang banging is so commercial, bro. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? It's so convert. You don't have to be shit. Like, bro, they make it. Come out to Chicago, they're making up games. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's all commercial. Well, well it's interesting speaking of games. Uh, Twitter, the uh, social media platform uh, with unlimited characters now, is uh, they lost half of its top 100 advertisers since Elon Musk took over the company and they are getting out of there and Elon it was interesting Elon did the whole we spoke about this last week where Elon did the poll should he continue to be the CEO and uh, the winner became yes you should fire yourself and remove yourself but he came back and said only people who pay for this actual votes count, which is funny. And you agree with that sentiment saying, look, if you ain't paying me, you can't make no decisions on who I'm paying. Let me but the question is, will Twitter survive under Elon in 2023? I think it will. I, I have much, we, we talked about like the SPF thing. We're like, is he going to make a comeback? You know what I mean? And like Eli's been around so much. I'm just doing comparisons, like off ignorance. I didn't do the thing that day. Here they going tomorrow. Like Eli's one of the smartest people we have on earth. No? No, no, that was a good conversation came up. So but I'm just saying, like in general, in America, we're not really listening to our president. We're looking to somebody or something to like take charge, in my personal opinion. When it comes down to I think Elon, even though he's fucking up a lot of stuff, like Twitter, him are a part of society, doc. Yeah, well, he overpaid for it, I think, by a lot. And then I think Twitter, they're saying Tesla stock may be affected by him being the CEO of Twitter because, you know, it's really, it's very difficult for someone to be CEO of two Fortune, should I say Fortune or S&P S, S 500 companies. And this was the, situation from before where Jack, right? Jack was a founder of Twitter. He was CEO of Twitter and he was the CEO of Block. It was Square. Now it's called Block. And they made him step down as CEO of Twitter because they said you can't be CEO of two large tech companies. Like you just don't have the time for it. Like it's not even enough time to run one. And so, you know, like, I mean, you're a tech guy. So how do you how do you feel about like a volatile CEO, like a guy that's good for pub, but might be bad for biz and does it really stay longer? Like I, at the end of the day, I understand a hundred people left Twitter and sponsorships, but can they afford to do that and not have like Twitter is one of the biggest things we have. Correct. And that crosses all across the world. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like it's only three of you could do like Weibo, WeChat, or whatever in China, but still, like everybody has Twitter. Like the number one thing is getting bread. You feel what I'm saying? No, I, I, and I feel like in a day's age, at least in American culture, everything is trendy, dog. Like after that Trump shit occurred, and he still became president, I believe anybody can bounce back from anything, bro. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? So, like, we're having this conversation. You ain't got me on that one. Yeah, we had somebody say, <laughs> you know what? I just grabbed her right by the, the person he talked to, got a million-dollar firing, and he went on and became the president of the United States. Yes, Elon can make it happen off a company he spent $44 billion for. Stop asking that man fucking questions. This is his shit. Ask for advice. I lost. <laughs> Give my money. You what? I lost. No, I know. It's really super hard to argue that, but I just, the only, the only thing I would have to argue with that is, you know, 60, Tesla stock is down 69% in 2022, but most tech stocks, most tech stocks were, so I can't point them out um, and say it was just them because all of them were down. Apple was down. uh, Google was down. uh, I think Microsoft was down. Intel, Intel coming back. When advertisers start leaving your platform, you got worries. And you you and if you look at all the uh, advertising on different platforms, you know, it was mainly uh it's like the top three now are Google, TikTok, and Meta, which is Facebook. It's Facebook has uh WhatsApp, Instagram, and obviously Facebook. And so, but what we're seeing is their percentages are coming down in terms of their hold on the advertising as a whole. And so you're seeing um, new platforms, new companies come up and they're starting to gain tractions in terms of advertising on a small scale. So you might see a company at 0.5% of the overall pie. Now they might move up to 0.8%, which is huge because that's what a 50, 60% uh, rise in revenue, even if it's that small, you know, what Jay-Z say, you know, uh, half of a percent of a percent of a billion is more than all y'all ever seen. So it's a lot. And so uh, <laughs> it's a true story. Shit I want to say. Half a percent of a percent of a billion is more than all y'all ever seen. That's a lot. And but I think the issue with Twitter might be this uh, blue check policy where you got to pay eight dollars a month to be able to vote on Twitter. And so I don't see too many people paying eight dollars a month. This is like. I got a thing with paying for apps. I don't care if it's a dollar or not. Like, it's just the way I see it. Unless it's something like, you know, newsletters, things like that, information I'm getting, like, you got to pay for that. Like, man, niggas only, niggas only sign up for like some type of ESPN subscription. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that type That's of what stuff. I'm and it's, you know, by like, Bane Bros and OnlyFans. That's the only prescription niggas really, like, the subscriptions, niggas are not doing a Twitter <laughs> subscription of that, bro. And that's facts, bro. Crypto, are you, are you buying a dip or are you you selling that shit? I'm am I'm a buy the dip. I've been buying the dip. I've been Bitcoin's at seventeen thousand. Uh, Ethereum's down to like around twelve hundred. Um, they said so, they said buy the dip, right? That's what you're supposed to do, right? They say buy the dip. You know, buy low, sell high. That's um, that's uh the Oracle Omaha's. Uh, investment perspective. We're talking about uh, Warren Buffett here. Um, but I have been reading something that was really intriguing in terms of the 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 energy and the what's going on with Bitcoin in terms of mining. All right. So in terms of machine power, uh, Bitcoin is down to around 17,000, which is uh, the low, the, the high got to like in the 60s. It got to like 60,000. Um, now it's at, still down 17, which is a lot. Um, but what I read was uh, more machine power is mining Bitcoin and securing the network than during any other boom time in crypto history. Machine power grew all through 2022, committing more resources to Bitcoin despite the market crash. That's persisted even amid China kicking miners out, environmental controversies and supply chain issues everywhere. Analysts say if the industry were dying, these miners would have been winding down, but they haven't been. Global demand for Bitcoin right now is roughly equal to a level that just a few years ago was only attained amid irrational exuberance. Bitcoin's price is hovering just under 17K, but even after losing two thirds of its value earlier this year, it was still above its 2017 highs. But so I'm just saying that you're still there. Yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, I got in on Bitcoin around like 30,000 when I bought it. I got Ethereum lower because I was transacting with uh, NFTs. I was transacting with, uh, you know, Ethereum is like a, the payments 
currency. Yeah, so I got yeah. a lot of ether- Ethereum. Um, but I'm super bullish on it going back up. I think what happened was the, that coin, those uh, coins from the different currencies, it really diluted the system. So I'm super interested to see how 23, 2023 shapes up uh, in the crypto space and, and what we've been seeing. And I'm interested to see how much time um, SBF get to speaking to crypto. Uh, because he back home, as we spoke about with his parents up the street, Palo Alto, living that good life. And, uh, man, to go back to your parents' home after losing 10 billion don't sound too bad to me. Let me get a shot at that. Ain't nobody gonna stop. Ain't nobody loving you like your mama. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Point forward. Speaking of high wealth individuals in the billions, we didn't really get a chance to really tap into the recent uh, acquisition of the Phoenix Suns. And uh, from from one of your Big Ten rivalries of Michigan State, Matt Ishbia, am I saying his name right? Yeah, one T. One T, ah. I wonder what's on his birth certificate. I'm very intrigued at what's on my Matthias. (laughs) Matthias. Sounds Lithuanian to me. But he's a Michigan State alum, played basketball there. He was a part of the national championship team. I think that was Mateen Cleaves' team, right? Yeah, that's why I say one. Yeah, that man left there, got straight to it. If you break it down, and that like you left there, which I mean, no disrespect to him. We talked about wasn't going on third base, but he he, it sounded like he slid home while the pitch was being thrown. He just thought, yes, yeah, yeah. So nobody hit him home and brought him in. It sounded like. Yeah, he did. He did some Benny Rodriguez shit. True story. And so uh, he bought the team. And I want to clarify this, folks that may not know. He bought Robert Sarver's 30% stake at a $4 billion valuation. So uh, Matt's his minority, his majority. His net worth. His net worth is $5 billion. So some folks would say he bought the team for $4 billion and he got a billion left, but that's not true. All his life. He bought a 30% stake of something worth four billion. So uh what's that? Uh four hundred million times three, right? So one point two billion. So he had to come off one point two and uh he bought the Phoenix Mercury as well. It always feels like when an NBA team is bought, it's like we we have those three names who we think are going to buy the team. You know, like uh Bob Iger's name was thrown out there. Uh then we had a few other names thrown out there. Uh uh, who else was thrown out there? Like we had some high net worth individuals who we thought name was going to come out of the bucket. And then you get a name out of left field and it's not out of left field, but just somebody you didn't have your eyes on. And so, but I think we got this one right. Like the energy that came out of this announcement was was cool. It was positive. Yeah. It was like, oh, snap, he played ball. Um, you know, we got some background on him. He was a mortgage lending company. His father started that. You know, he, you know, worked to take over and, you know, most second generations uh, ruin the family, family business or whatever. But this is like he's helped turn the company up another notch. And so I'm excited to see what he does. Me too. He's got a got a great franchise. He's got a a superstar, um, you know, borderline generational player. Yeah. Uh, what you call it? what 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 book does what book does book fit in? But he's in an unfuckable category. Okay, I like that. Him, you don't want to see him lined up against you. I don't care what no what. Like, I like that. Luca had 60, 20, and 10 last night. Tatum had whatever. That's a, that's a load for him. No, no, for sure. No, I, I'm, I'm rocking with you on that. So um, I'm uh, excited we, to see. Yeah, my fault. Can we talk about Luca Doncic real quick? 60, 20, What was more 10? impressive? 60, 21, and 10 or up nine with 35 seconds and you lose? We're up seven with 13 seconds in preseason. We lost back in the day. Remember that? That was preseason. So we have our we have our goons on the court. You're right. But 60, 20, and 10 is pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. 100%. I think that was, I mean, but yeah, that's, that was impressive. Was it more impressive, clearly, what, than the James Harden 16, 18? Yeah, I guess because it's in less. No. Years. So here's my issue with that. And it's been spoke about. And, and, I, and I'm on, I'm side with James. This has nothing to do with Luca. Um, James got a lot of flack and a lot of hate for the numbers he was putting up. And how he played, yeah. And how he played. And we got another guy 
duplicating that, and it's a different type of reception. Energy. So there. yeah, like I don't. That's that's that is. A, I do have an issue with that because James hit it on the head when he said, "Listen, I changed the game of basketball." Yeah, and like I did something nobody ever did, and it was frowned upon. And now that another guy's doing it, it's like bringing praise to another level. And he was like, the only thing I haven't done is win a championship. And you know how I feel about championships. Yeah. Like, we got to stop discrediting greatness because it's a way to knock a guy down or, you know, make a guy make irrational decisions of his life based on how y'all feel about him because he didn't win a championship. Like, mm-hmm. that's how hard it is to win a championship. Like, why don't y'all just think about it like that? No, absolutely. I, you're absolutely right. And then when you break down with James, James lost a lot of MVP awards when we were kind of batting, batting stuff down. Like every year you have to be like, all right, it's about winning. And it's about this. And it's about that. And with Luca, they're eighth in the West. You know what I mean? And, and that triple-double, exactly how he's playing, which is very highly impressive, is, you know what I mean? Because James, was, them was getting, they was top, James was doing top some, three, top four yes. in the West every year. Yes, yes, but I will let me just say this the difference between James and Luca. Mm-hmm. Luca is 38, 9, and 8 in game 7. Fly guy James Harden is 7, 7, and 6 in game 7. So that might be something different. You know what I mean? Because you probably, but we'll go on from that. My fault. I just want to talk about no, Luca. That's it. That, that is very valid. And yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> It's very rare that I'm post game and we haven't got to our post game speech and I'm talking about somebody else. And I just had to bring that up. 60, 21, and 10 yeah. is impressive. We see what happens when you let greatness play one on one. They're going to figure out how to win and get theirs, which is what happened despite the opposing team being up nine with 35 seconds. I think that's more impressive. Hey, I mean, and sound about right. If you got 60 with your 20, I'm not shot you came back from nine with 30 seconds left. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, that's, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. And then jumping back to Phoenix Suns' uh, new ownership group, and a part of that is the Phoenix Mercury, um, they're speaking of an expansion with WNBA. And, and so with that, E.T., my question for you is, what would be great WNBA cities to uh, expand to? Say less. Um, I would come to games in Vancouver, Toronto, Miami. Toronto. Nashville. I want to Nash- see what Nashville is like. I heard great things about Nashville. Charleston, South Carolina. Aha, I like it. Uh, I don't like the South. I'm scared of the South, but I'm just saying, like, if we're going to make something happen, like, I think it has to be in some of the bigger cities in the area. But I, I don't know. That might be tough to draw a crowd. But pres- Because Miami, like, I hear what you're saying, but Miami, you know, even when the when they had the, the big three, the original big three in Miami, people, folks weren't showing up to the game until halftime. Like, yeah, we go yeah. party before we go to the game. No, you're and, right. You know, I saw the Bay. You know, should we have a team in the Bay? I think that would be dope. But uh, historically, uh, franchises uh, – within a certain salary range struggle out in the Bay Area because it's, it's the expense of uh, living. Yeah. So, you know, you I think before you come to the Bay, you know, salary cap had, and revenue for the league has to be at a certain level. And that's not even just women's basketball. That's all sports because we were talking about, you know, could you build like a soccer team out here and where would you put that? And then other yeah. leagues coming out here. And, and I think that's a big part of, I- the, of the equation. To be real, I want to use it uh, to wrap me up. Who is it? Uh, is it New Mexico? I think those that women team, the uh, Lobos, uh, the Pit. I think they have a very great <laughs> fan base. But yeah. as you see, like New Mexico, or you can even see, like obviously in Connecticut stores or whatever, or even if you go to Santa Cruz, I think I think you have to put them in smaller areas where that type of stuff is going to be appreciated because clearly people yeah. are showing up and supporting. And say this is our team. It's like the Timbers in Portland. Like now, I walk down a block, you know, in the spring every now and then. I'm like, where that? Where are all these people going with like flags, jerseys, and shit? And it's like right. the Portland Timbers. Those games are sold out every night, and it's just yeah. American soccer. Yeah, yeah. And like Amer- American soccer is laughable for males. Well, not in the past historically. In the past, you right. break it down. But like, if they're talking about bringing in money and bringing in like uh, and bringing in some type of like. 
history some type of following i think those small podunk towns might work and i think the women the will get all the support and everything they need right even though you know the new york liberty do well at barclays i'm a big shout out to sabrina i ask you no i hear what you're saying and there's different venues in terms of sizing yeah and it's not an knock on anybody so you'll see like fox theater can only hurt a certain amount of hold a certain amount of people or you're starting to see these new uh you know columbus we were in columbus you know the columbus crew in their crew. stadium yeah the right yeah, the crew. Yeah. you know and like the way their stadium is and then you see the, the basketball facility for the men's basketball team and then you have another facility one where you hold concerts and then one where you hold this yeah, yeah. and so even um but even like, the chase even the chase center there's like a it's just there's like another venue in there that holds like opera. absolutely right portland you know the same way they got the back gym they have this i think it's like the assembly gym or whatever but like something ideal that is you know aesthetic because i think once women's games get going they're entertaining to watch they're really fun like if you yeah. show up with the right environment don't put a thousand people in a fucking twenty thousand seat arena it's killing every part of the game and it's and that's the, what i'm saying and the narrative is terrible when i turn on the tv as like if i was a casual watcher or casual fan i'd be like oh look how funny this is and it has nothing to do with me watching diana tarazi one of the best basketball players ever lived or you know to watch you know lights out shooters lights out players or like maya Moore, like some of these past players i'm watching to criticize on what i've seen on tv and the narrative of what it is and that i think that's also killing the game and destroying the game correct I'm with you on that. But now if you want to start, and they're talking about expanding new WNBA teams, dog, like, what's that going to hit for? What's that going to look like? And you know what I mean? What's it going to cost? Okay, so let me break it down as best as I can, like, like breaking it down, breaking it down. And so you look at a tech startup, and you're looking at, uh, it's like guesstimates on future growth, future revenue, uh, future advertisements, partnerships, um, growing the game. That's a big part of it. I think we were speaking about the first 25 years of the NBA, correct? And, you know, how long it took the NBA to really scale and get off the ground? Because, you know, we can go through every era of the NBA, starting with, you know, the, what was it, 1957 or something like that was maybe? Six, what was, it, that? was that the ABA around that time? Or right, what was ABA and NBA? So you had two leagues competing, and then, uh, you know, you had parts of the league that was saying it was too black. You know, not enough, uh, you know, you want a, a more corporate fan base, but they can identify with the talent. It wasn't as buttoned up. Then you had, you know, a drug-laced era in the 80s, late 70s, in the 80s. Um, and then, you know, Magic and Bird kind of changed the landscape of the things and brought the league to a more corporate. Because we, we remember they were tape delaying the finals game. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Crazy, right? So... You know, I think we have to look at things in a more uh, open, grand perspective and like the, the you know, the long term. And that's what they do with tech companies. You know, it's like, can you sustain, you know, what's your burn? Uh, we know where we want to be in five to 10 years, but like, as for now, we know we're going to take some losses, but if we can sustain our burn and just keep growing steadily, uh, efficiently and, you know, accountably, uh, we'll be fine. So I see the WS the same way. Uh, we got a lot more um, kids going viral. I'm seeing a lot of female hoopers go viral. Did I see that clip or did you see me in the clip with a girl with the handles? It's a girl at Sierra Canyon that got game. And it's yeah, another girl. Oh, yeah, what's her name? Yeah, what's her yeah, what, That little girl was going stupid. Oh, my God. I mean, at one point, I'm like, bro, is this legal? Like, who taught you all that? Bro, is she? I've seen a girl. I've seen one girl. Was sham, she sham got somebody twice. Hit him with a bing bop to buoy yeah, and it's, dropped it off. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And so like it just oh, that's all that coming from our youth. Um, it's only it's only uh makes me more bullish on a W and, and where it can go. And then I think globally too, you know, it took the league a a long time for the for the rest of the world to catch up with American basketball. Yeah. I know Australia's got great hoop. Yeah, for sure. Still has great hoop. Yeah. Russia always got great. I mean, Fran France is doing a good in France. everything in sports for sure. Yeah. And Lithuania is yeah. one of the top basketball spots in the world. Yeah. And so when the women catch up uh, in that, because we've been dominating uh, international ball, I think it's gonna it's gonna take off. Yeah, and WNBA getting more TV right, so yep. it'll be more visibility. Yeah, I think once the rest of the world starts catching up and competing versus us, 
and you know making it you know more popular things i feel like back in the day america dominated so many countries right. where like it almost seemed like it was just an american sport it wasn't as popular until you started seeing like mvps like Dirk Nowitzki, Yao Ming, Steve Nash. You see us lose to Argentina back in the day. And it's like, okay, now this is a sport that we can start playing and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. You go from those moments to we just brought up aforementioned Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic is probably three years old at the time. True. And like, and like LeBron's just finished up one, one or two years, of, you know, in the league and they're saying that's his idol. So once the game starts spreading, who knows in the next so many years we'll have a different level of, you know what I mean? It'll be more, more and more popular. Point forward. Well, now that leads me to our next conversation, which is uh, Victor Winbimiana, French kid, but can handle like 10-year NBA vet and fade away like MJ and his crazy wingspan. They're broadcasting all of his games now. Uh, they even talks. His first game was so good. They thought about just shutting him down. And then now you're now they're tracking him as the next great one. He's got the Yao Ming hype, got the you know LeBron hype. You yeah. know one of the top guys to come out straight to the league. It's different because just of his presence in general. You know very thick, has a KD brain, uh, but he shoots the ball lights out. He got some post moves, got footwork, um, and it's just it's just a promising um, future for the kid. So yeah. I guess. is it? For me, my question to you, is it too much hype or or is it just right? Because you know how it is when you get on that hype train. Yeah, I guess I guess it's just right. You you can't take away from little stuff that occurs. A kid is from France, Paris, like that's a big market, big hub. Like, you know what I mean? That that type of situation. But I'm not even glad I'm more so happy for a different reason. The fact that they're paying attention to him gives my man bold bold the opportunity to be who uh, he's gonna be and be appreciated. He's been talking this year. He's been a hooping, but he's been doing that. For, go look at his Oregon stats. Yeah, he only played like he was. He got hurt. He only played like six or seven games. But to start off his Oregon stats was something we never seen before. Dude was shooting forty five percent, going crazy. He's seven or seven, doing all this crazy stuff. It's like, all right, we already have one of those people in the league. Yeah, this color, this colorism exists in sports. Yeah, and what I mean by that is. Is, does your shade affect the perception that others have about you, whether it's an article they write or how many minutes your coach plays you or how they perceive you as a person, a player? You know, some of, like the biggest stars in each sport, what do they look like? You know what I mean? I mean. Because we, we talk about Bo Bo. Like, Bo Bo been doing this. But we could say Steph Curry, and I could say John Morant could be a bigger star than Steph Curry. You know what I mean? Uh-uh. You know I mean, I'm saying marketing-wise and things like that. Like, unless Steph don't like, obviously Steph would get all the commercials and everything like that. But I'm talking about like gears, shoes, clothing, crossover. Like, you don't think Jai's more like as marketable as Steph, if not more, or like he's more appealing to people. Like, I feel like his personality and shit. It's a it's a, a poll that got taken. He's everybody's favorite NBA player. Correct. Like, Rivals, ladies, their favorite players. Are, like, so is that a colorism thing or no? Yes and yes and no. The only reason why I say no is not a colorism thing is because Jaws still on that side of the brown paper bag. You know what I mean? Like how many dark athletes have had that type of fanfare? Only Michael Jordan. LeBron. Yeah, LeBron is LeBron is freaking good. Yeah. No, no, no. So you're just talking about like the crossover, the difference. I mean. And he sent, I don't know. That's, that's a tough situation, bro. It's, it's tough because at the end of the day, the consumer is so finicky. Like, the league so, like, getting lighter. Everything points to the league lighter. I always say that. The draft I, I, was the league getting lighter. I'm just saying there's a, there's a lot more whites in the league with a lot less skill. I'll say that. Like, when we sit here, it's like you have to play basketball. That part. And it's 10 different things you can do. Like, I can go pull up my granddad or, like, uh, I know a great shooters, but, like, you're not going to help me if you can't guard, can't pass, can't defend, and we got to run 15 screens for you. Of course, that's going to help towards the game, but like, if I have to say something, I think that's the only thing that's opened up more because of the relevance of the three-point shot, the lack of the physicality, and the fact that sometimes competition is viewed in a different factor now. You understand what I'm saying? But I, I don't know, bro. I think, it, I think it's case by case, man, because the superstars are going to rise above everything. Oh Yeah, I agree with that part. 
And like some of our biggest superstars are dark skinned. I mean, Kobe Bryant had a whole. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, we know that. We yeah. yeah. So, so I can't. I can't really say. I, I can't. I don't really feel that in a sense, right? No, I, I was just saying it because I was asking the question because you know we talk about Bobo has everything, and Bobo is probably what twenty one, unless you ask Kendrick Perkins. Bro, we can't. Victor Wanabayana, bro, looks like an R and B singer, bro. There's that's colorism. No, it's either you got it or you saying, bro. I didn't. I'm look. You're right. The way y'all talk about Seal. The way y'all talk about Seal. Come on, dog. And like Joe Budden said, Heidi Klum left Seal, so shit can only be ugly for so long. That's what I'm saying. We're calling dark ugly, not we. No, bro. A lot of white women love Idris Elba. He's dark skinned. We love more shit. Not only. Yeah, he dark skinned. Like no. Ugly is ugly. <laughs> I mean, they're two incredible talents. Young black men, I hope they do nothing but great things. Me too, bro. Uh, so as we close it out, goals for 2023, uh, like in terms of self-prediction, I predict uh, that I will be on the court in 2023. Um... Yeah, I might just pop up on y'all one night, like uh, DJ Clue on the song. I might just pop up out of nowhere, no, like, or DJ Khaled, or like Swiss Beats. Swiss Beats. But now Swiss I, Beats, he, he, he sell the song with his voice attached. You gonna hear him first and last. So I will be back on the court. Looking forward to that. Um, got some big things in the works uh, on all fronts: business, uh, tech, so on and so forth. Uh, all-Star Week is going to be big for us, I think, this year in point four. So looking forward to that as well. Seeing the earth, uh, places that I've never seen before. Looking forward to that and uh, just continue to drop some knowledge and gain knowledge. It's your turn. Oh, uh, shoot. I'm, um, <laughs> now I'm, I'm kind of on the same thing, bro. I just am at a point where I'm just continuing to just try to find, like, peace and, like, happiness and, uh, going down the right place with the right intentions and uh you know taking a step back and and, and taking advantage of controlling what i can control and uh that goes with uh the good parts the bad parts but also like the emotional parts where uh you know being more open to things i don't understand Mm. letting further letting those moments shape me and, 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 and you know accepting everything the universe has to offer as opposed to what i uh what I think I know, because I don't know everything, to say the least. So, in a, in a calmer moment, that's what I really am hoping for in 2023. Sounds like growth. So, with saying that, just appreciate all our listeners, fan base. Uh, hope y'all continue to check in. Hope you're learning. Hope you're listening. Uh, appreciate the support. Everything, continue listening on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, point four Fridays aren't going anywhere so be sure to check us out in the new year happy new year